ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Uh, before we get into today's topic, as always, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. If you've got questions about today's episode or ideas for future episodes of Ignition, please contact us. The best way to do that, there are two ways to do that. You can email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org. That's the word ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or you can tweet to us at sfdiocese. Use the hashtag ignition. Again, SF Diocese with the hashtag Ignition. So, Father, it's been a, a couple weeks since uh, we recorded an episode. I want to say live. They're always, I don't know. I don't know how this works. How you use live appropriately when you're recording. Are we recording live? We are, aren't we? Well, if we're recording, though, I don't think we're not broadcasting. <clears throat> we're not broadcasting live, that's for sure. Yes, I think that'd be the big point. Okay, very good. So, things going well for you in, in Brookings, South Dakota? Yes, uh, students have moved in, uh, and I no longer, uh, uh, I did not physically move, but I no longer live in the country, because I now have college students all over the place, uh, (laughs) where I used to have no neighbors, now I've got thousands of neighbors. Thousands of neighbors. Um, And so what what sorts of, uh, do you have any, any, they're back to school, but they have the Labor Day weekend coming up, I mean, do you really kick off, have things kicked off already at the Newman Center for you, or does that come? Almost certainly, most certainly. So we... uh, made a big effort of outreaching to reaching out to uh, <laughs> incoming freshmen and sophomores when they moved in on Friday and Saturday, respectively, freshman Friday, sophomore Saturday. Did you know that the uh, stores in Brookings do more business on move-in Friday than they do on Black Friday? Really? Yes. Huh. That makes sense, I guess, but no, I, I wouldn't have thought that. And the restaurants do more business on move-in Friday than they do on Hobo Day. Wow. Yeah, out of curiosity, Father, there's so we, in, of course, those of, those listeners who are in South Dakota know this, but if you're not from South Dakota, we have South Dakota State in Brookings, the University of South Dakota in Vermilion, and then also um, Northern State in Aberdeen. That's on the eastern half of the diocese. And Dakota State in Madison. Dakota State in Madison, Black Hills out in Rapid City. There are other other public schools as well, but looking particularly at USD and SDSU, which are are they comparable in size, Father? Out of curiosity. Uh, close, although SD, uh, SDSU Brookings is still uh, larger than USD. Still larger, still bigger, still better. I mean, I, I, our, I, our I, campus I'm, enrollment is 10,000 plus. I think their on-campus enrollment is in the uh, nine or 8,000 range. And there's a, I, I mean, I just jokingly said still bigger, still better. There's a friendly rivalry between the two schools, isn't there? Friendly? Well, I mean, rivalry would imply like some sort of like close contest. Uh-oh. <laughs> Where's Father Jeff Norfolk, the chaplain of the Newman Center at USD when you need him? <laughs> anyway. I'm facts. I'm just stating facts. Stating facts. Board board don't lie. Yeah, amen, brother. <laughs> so we are here, we're, as we're recording this, it's the, the last week of August, about to celebrate Labor Day weekend. Um, as Father just mentioned, classes have begun at, at, at SDSU and the other state schools, and um, many of our of, of our public schools and Catholic schools, elementary, junior, and senior high, uh, began classes this week or last week in many cases. Um, so the tail end of August, but Father, you, you made a great point getting into today's topic. There's a lot of there are a lot of great feast 
birthdays. We're celebrating a number of of great saints, and all the saints, of course, are great. But just a lot of I don't know, a, a interesting variety and a good mix of of different saints that we're celebrating here in the month of August. There um, is. It's just kind of a great um, uh, time of year in that way. There's a lot of cool saints. It seems like almost every day. Right, right. So for me, and, and I'll be curious to hear any of that strike you, we're recording um, this on Wednesday, the 20, 27th? Is that what the date? Whatever the date is today. What is today? Yes, the 27th of August. Today is the Feast of St. Monica, and um, for the last few decades, uh, her feast is paired immediately with the feast of her son that will celebrate tomorrow, St. Augustine. Um, and I, I, that's, I think, oftentimes Father... Uh, uh, a beautiful story, I, speak, I think especially apropos maybe to the parents of college students, because for, for those those listeners who may not know the, the background or the context, St. Augustine, uh, Monica, his mother, w- w- had been Christian for much of her life, if not all of her life. Um, her husband, though, uh, was not a Christian until, I think he was baptized in his deathbed. Um, and so Augustine grew up in, 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 in a house where dad was not a Christian, mom was, but he, he didn't, cho- he, he grew up when he was young with a, 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 a um, somewhat of a, of a practice of the faith, but then in his teenage years left the faith and abandoned his faith, and he wasn't baptized until in his early 30s, went on to become this great saint. But for, for the, the years in between, St. Monica spent, well, years um, pleading with God, crying out to God, tears, um, begging for the grace of her son's conversion. Father, I think, you know, I, I hear a lot from parents who lament the fact that their adult children, whether they're college age or maybe in their 30s or 40s, um, who have um, stopped practicing their faith. And I think that St. Monica is a, uh, a particularly um, powerful figure to invoke, a saint who's, who we can ask to pray for us and for, fall, for um, our fallen away children or friends or family and so on. Great little inspiration in that regard. Excuse me. She's awesome. She's awesome. So, what about you? Any 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 saints? Um, before we get into today's topic, any 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 saints who really speak to you in a particular way, at least this year? Um, you know, I was really kind of uh, caught up a bit with Pope uh, Pius, Pope Saint Pius the Tenth, lately. Um, he's of course not directly related to Pope Pius the Twelfth uh, from our Newman Center's name, uh, but uh, just kind of caught up on him with a bit, just. Uh, with his desire to promote Eucharistic devotion, Eucharistic reception of the Eucharist, holy communions, frequent confessions uh, in the Church, just seeing that the need for the people, for the uh, lay faithful, to receive the Eucharist more often, um, every Sunday, indeed, even daily if possible, of course, with a good confession. Um, the other thing I was kind of liking in quasi-geek, but this is, this is a topic for a whole other ignition, probably, yeah, but since you asked... <laughs> Did you ask? I did ask. You did ask. Okay, but since you asked, uh, the whole idea of authority within the Church, uh, how authority works for us and on our behalf as opposed to, uh, per se, uh, against us, uh, or authority being something necessarily opposed to us. Squelching my freedom. Yeah, fight the power. Uh, So I really just kind of liked Pope Pius X, and the whole idea for me as a priest to make sure that I am 
living out Christ's own pastoral authority. Yeah, you know, here I think it's become in the last 10 years or so in some circles, servant leadership has become almost a buzzword. But there's a there's a, a, a deep reality, which I I mean, which I don't think, you know, just sort of thinking as, as, uh, as a husband, but especially as a father, it's easier said than done. Uh, but but how necessary it is to to have that that fatherly sense of of paternal care and authority in in that sense, right? And, and when all that authority is out for your good, I was thinking of the image from Jared Tolkien's Lord of the Rings that when the king returns to the land, uh, he brings with him safety and uh, uh, progress and uh, prosperity under his protection and his rule. Exactly. It's, it's for the good of, good of the people. Yeah. The, uh, with, you mentioned with uh, St. Pius X, um, adoration and so on, I, I, a lot of Catholics may not be aware that it's because of him that the, the typical age for First Communion is in what we would say second grade, so seven or eight years of age. I'm not sure what it, it was. Several years older. I'm not sure what the norm. If there was a sort of a um, a general norm as as there is now, um, but it had been several years older uh, prior to Pius the Tenth. And in years, by the way, Father. So we're talking about the early 20th century, right? So 1910, yes. give or take. Correct. 1903 was when he became uh, Pope, and he passed away right on the edge of the beginnings of World War One. Okay, so so it was really so it's only been in the last century or so that um, we've we've adopted this norm because of him of of receiving our first Holy Communion when we're seven or eight years old. So it's an interesting point of Catholic history. So very much so. Um, so you mentioned he um, died uh, just at the beginning or before the beginning. Nineteen fourteen. This is actually the hundredth year. Uh, since his death. Uh, since his death. So at, at the beginning of World War One, another saint, uh, and the, the topic for today, um, or the impetus for today's topic at least, St. Maximilian Kolbe died during World War II. Um, St. Maximilian Kolbe is a, a Polish Franciscan. Um, do you remember, is it, was it, is it Capuchin, Father? Do you remember what Father? Oh. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, boy, there's a lot of Franciscans. Dear Franciscans, I apologize. I can't recall which exactly kind of Franciscan um, St. Maximilian Kolbe was. Could you consolidate your orders a little more? Sincerely, <laughs> everyone else in the church. We would appreciate no. <laughs> Please uh, conform yourselves to our wishes. Thank you very much. Sincerely. Christopher. Respectfully. <laughs> Um, so, but he was a Franciscan of one type or another who uh, spread a great devotion to to Christ through Mary, a, a great devotion to Mary, particularly um, the Immaculata, Mary conceived without sin, um, and he died um, in in Auschwitz. Um, Father, have you been? Have you ever been to Auschwitz? Never. As part of uh, during college study abroad program in Austria, um, I had the opportunity to go to, to Krakow and to to visit Auschwitz and saw the cell where he died. Um, what had happened and how he came to to die in in Auschwitz. So he was in Auschwitz, and um, the, I think somebody had escaped or. Something happened so that the, the, the Nazis were, were killing or threatening to kill random um, uh, prisoners. And there was a, a married, a husband and a father um, who, who was going to be killed. And, and St. Maximilian Kolbe um, offered to offer his life in his place. So he took the place of this man who was going to be next. And so St. Maximilian Kolbe, along with uh, several other uh, Polish men, um, was starved to death. 
um, in this tiny cell where you, they were literally all cramped, standing upright. Um, so he, he was starved to, to death, um, and he um, was canonized by now St. John Paul II um, as, as uh, a martyr for the church, for the faith. So powerful story. Father, Father, have you ever studied much of the life or the writing of St. Maximilian Kolbe? Not in a whole lot, and I've certainly read on him a bit, but not, like never a full book or anything like that. During one of my um, my undergrad courses on Mariology, we, we read a bit of his theology of Mary and, and the particular take that he took, which is and so part of that was learning a bit more about his life. So um, I, every every saint is fascinating in their own way, uh, certainly including Saint Maximilian. Um, so, but Father, what what we again, this is all sort of prefacing the the topic for today, which uh, is self prompted by an article by a Catholic blogger. Uh, the the blogger's name is Leah Labresco. And she blogs at, she's one of the Pathios blogs, um, Unweak, Unequally Yoked. Unequally Yoked is, is the name of her particular blog. Her subtitle, Father, I particularly like, A Geeky Convert Picks Fights in Good Faith. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, it's, uh, well, I, I would quibble, actually. Why? How so? Well, well, if she's using geeky to describe her outlook on the faith in the world, I'd say geek is usually more of a technological yeah. uh, look on things. And really, I think nerdy might be the yeah. <laughs> better descriptor, but I was not consulted. That, <laughs> Leah, Leah, if you listen to this episode, you should have consulted Father Dickinson first. Well, you could have. I mean, she'd be free to disagree with me. Yeah, yeah. Be that as uh, a, I think a nerd, though, is someone who goes into <clears throat> distinctions and differences in small little and notices the minutia of things. Yep, yep, yep. So she, as, as, as the subtitle indicates, she's an adult convert from atheism, uh, very philosophically minded. Um, she describes herself having been a stoic, so a, a particular uh, type of uh, going back to, to the ancient Greek philosophers, a particular outlook on on life, um, which she had, and to some degree she, she would say still has. Um, I don't know if she'd describe herself necessarily as a recovering Stoic, um, but, but something like that in, in her own journey of faith now as, as a baptized Catholic. Um, so she wrote this post, uh, I think it was August 16th, learning the wrong lessons from St. Maximilian Kolbe, learning the wrong lessons from St. Maximilian Kolbe. And she talks here about, you know, how she she reflected on his life and um, previously having some devotion to him for, for she, the saint of the month practice that she was, she's, she, she's involved with, so to speak. Um, she said, I asked God to strengthen my will and make it more like his. So Father, that really, and she'll go on to explain that, but that really resonates with me. I think when it, for me, when, when I think about holiness and so on, oftentimes I've thought about, you know, becoming holy, being sanctified as a matter of God giving me um, an ironclad will by which I will crush all my vices beneath me. Um, on the, you under will the, crush the enemy. <laughs> I will crush the enemy under the heels of my feet. Um, you know, so my vices, my sinfulness, um, the, the, the sinful desires that I have, the actual sins that I commit, I'll, I'll crush all of them underfoot with, with my iron will. Um, and, and, Indomitable. And, exactly, yes. The, this indomitable will that, 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 that God will give me to accomplish this good thing. Now, I know I can't do it on my own, but he'll give me the power to do it. Uh, and I, what, what struck me about uh, Leah's blog post here, her, her little article um, on learning the wrong lessons, is that's not really what 
holiness is about. That that wouldn't have been what St. Maximilian Kolbe's frame of mind would be. Like, thank you, Lord, for giving me this will to to, to crush my my vices. Um, that it, it's it's not about what we're crushing. It's not about what we're against, but it's about what we're opening ourselves up to. It's about what we're for. Right. And that just, it's funny how easy it is for that kind of false uh, sense of holiness to be a to be a part of our Christian imagination. We don't think about and then how formative that is, how that forms our prayers, how that forms our judgment upon ourselves, how it forms uh, how we look at our own devotions, is that I must build up this iron will. Right, yes. Wrong to use a German accent, we're talking about a Polish martyr. <laughs> killed and... Yeah. I just feel like I need to use a German accent when I say iron will. I know. I, I, I yes. As a, as somebody with strong German uh, ancestry, I, I'm sympathetic to that. Yeah. But, but uh, oh, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to, to, to mention a couple of things, quoting a couple of things from her article along these lines. She said, yeah, she does call herself an, a recovering Stoic. Because I'm a recovering Stoic, I tend to think of great acts like Colby's sacrifice in Auschwitz and his whole life of service up till that point as the result of superhuman efforts of self-mastery. I pray for a strong and disciplined will because when I imagine imitating Colby and the rest of the saints, I imagine an epic struggle with my will aligned with Christ's triumphing in the end and she she italicizes struggle um and and again that 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 resonates deeply for me like this 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 battle this epic battle she talks in the next paragraph about the the martial language you know warfare and so on and there's truth that you you know i have father we've talked about spiritual warfare in in the past and certainly that's part of our spiritual tradition but you can i think her point here at least my what i'm taking my takeaway from her article is that we can take that mentality a bit too far very much so. We can take it to uh, the point that it even almost becomes, um, if we don't, if we're not careful, it almost becomes unchristian. What do you mean by that? Well, then, since it becomes just my will and my will alone, I yep. need this self mastery. Uh, I need to do it. Right. Right. This is, you know, and I think sometimes again, it's there's there is some truth to that. I mean, it's rather famously, or at least in in, in Catholic nerdy circles, to maybe use the earlier distinction, um, when Saint Thomas Aquinas was asked, um, "How how do I become a saint?" Father, have you heard this? What his response was? No. Will it? Will it? Will it? and I think that can feed into. The people like me and are I'm just going to will this thing and make it happen, and that's not how it happens. So she, well, before we get to the positive, any, anything else about that sort of that that negative sense, that misconception that that we can have? No, and I think just maybe to reiterate, it's not that you shouldn't will it or that Saint Thomas Aquinas was wrong, but when we reduce it to just the will alone and this. Indomitability, we're missing out on the fuller view. Exactly. So, like, this is how she she, she continues in her article. It's skipping down a bit. Um, if you pull this up online, I keep imagining holiness in negative terms as a matter of will and self sacrifice, rather than so in the, in the negative. What's the positive? Rather than love and self gift. She goes on, it doesn't come naturally to me to imagine Colby at peace and joyful when offering himself up 
or that it might, be, or, <clears throat> excuse me, or that it might be the effortless result of a life devoted to Mary and formation in her image. Again, that I mean, Amen, sister. For 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 me and my own experience, to me, it's this. You know, this life now is struggle and gritting the teeth and bearing these difficulties and carrying the cross, and then the peace and the joy will come in heaven. Now, I know, I know. If if you asked me, I know that we can experience that peace and joy, and yet, sort of more underneath there for me subconsciously the the path to holiness is is the language that I would use similar to hers is more first more about the, the struggle and self-sacrifice and not about the peace and joy that comes from love and self-gift which is a so much better way to to think about sanctity and <laughs> holiness is love so I mean what what did Christ do on the cross he died. It was awful. <laughs> but, 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 what is it ju- but was it just a merely, like, the imposition of an iron will? I mean, you know, was it, was it the uh, 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 turn of the millennium vision or version of the Iron Man? Right. You Superman, know, uh, yes. Right. No, I mean, he, he, it was a sacrifice out of love, love, for love and out of love. Yes. And received in love. And a choosing for. Uh, not just a, a, a choosing against sin and acting against sin or um, the reign of sin. I would imagine, um, and, and if, correct me if you, or let me know if you disagree, Father, but I would imagine that in terms of what Jesus was thinking as he was dying on the cross, first and foremost about his love of the Father, love for the Father and the Father's love for him, then his love for humanity for whom he was dying, and then somewhere down near the bottom, probably the fact that, oh, by the way, by this, I'm, I'm conquering the power of death and Satan, as opposed to maybe take this devil at, at first. Yeah. Um, that would be probably, you know, uh, in a sense, well, not, not that important, relatively speaking. It wasn't uh, the Jerry Bruckheimer version. <laughs> that would be, I'd like to see that movie, though. Uh, no, I wouldn't. Oh, okay. I don't even want to know if they're going to try to do a movie like that. Yeah, I, I have no idea. And so, um, so, so, so I think. So, what's that positive? Is that what? What else can we say, Father, about that more positive as opposed to holiness? Is it being against, but it's for something? What else can we say about what it's for? What it's what the good, so to speak, that we're striving towards? Well, I, uh, I think even just to embrace the idea of that we're striving towards a good period. It's so tempting as a Catholic not just to think about, you know, in a personal sense, conquer my own sin, or as a Catholic, what are we opposed to in the culture around us today? You know, so the Catholic Church, we're opposed to birth control, we're opposed to abortion, we're opposed to a redefinition of marriage. Um, Instead, to focus uh, for us as Catholics on the idea of what are we saying yes to? You know, when you say yes to being Catholic, what are you saying yes to? saying yes to someone who would make a sacrifice of love, uh, even though it would cost you your life. Oh. Someone saying yes to being someone who welcomes human life, no matter what its messiness. Um, Someone who thinks that you can find great happiness, even without without a, what we might call an active sexual life. Yep. You know? and so to, to say yes to those things and to understand that and, and begin to aim ourselves towards that yes. 
Yeah, that that this is yeah, as you, as you were saying, this is the, the the what I'm loving, what I'm striving for, more as opposed to what I'm striving against. There, there was a quote that you that you highlighted in her um, in, in her article that that struck me along these lines. At present, goodness may always be a struggle, but when I imagine the saints perfected, I don't mean to imagine them as still conflicted, always engaged in pursuit of strength and mastery. So yeah. the saints, I mean, it's easier for them. And I think, Father, I remember during my my graduate studies in Rome, one of my fellow classmates, an American, really had a hard time with that. Uh, really struggled with the idea that when we grow in virtue, when, when we're when we've when we're well advanced in virtue, it's easier to do virtuous things, and that's more meritorious because we have this idea that it's in the the striving and the effort and the work that the quote the, that the merit is found, and yet it, it, that what we would rather be is like the saints, where it comes quote unquote naturally. Right. Um, but also that it shows the fact that we don't understand the idea of virtue either. Say more about that. Well, in the Catechism, we'll speak about a virtue as something intrinsic inside us that develops and is within us so that we do the good easily. Yep. Yep. And so, um, so, so, uh, I've heard Dr. Uh, Edward Shree uh, use this example of, uh, so you're in your workplace and, uh, there's a $100 bill laying out on our producer's desk, and you walk by it, you look at it, you see it, but you walk by without uh, thinking anything about it, because you know it's our producer's money. I walk by, see the money, and I look at it, I'm like, oh, man, I, we could really use that for our bus trip, for the seat conference, we could uh, really use it for this and that, oh, gosh, I mean, and our producer, I'm sure, has lots of money, so he won't miss it, <laughs> and all these things like that. But no, then I walk away. You know, we each did the just thing, right? Yep. Man, we, it was his money. We let his money remain. But you displayed the virtue of justice because you did it easily. Right. Whereas I had to grunt and groan and hem and haw. And... Right. And yeah, I think more, it's, it's for me, sub, again, maybe subconsciously, so to speak, but, but you, you struggled against that and, and you were victorious. And, and that's the better thing than the guy that's in the scenario, like me, where, oh, yeah, no, that's not mine. You know, I think there's, we have this sense that it's in that struggle that, that, that the merit comes as opposed to what you just said, the truth of the matter. Correct. And so that merit can still come even in the, in the virtuous action. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So what, really cool. And what else in terms of you know we got a, uh, just over a minute left, Father? Any other takeaways or, or you know the, the the big thing from this? This anything else that struck you? What's the big thing? Is just that refocusing, recasting of our imagination of what holiness is. You know, uh, isn't the Monty Python uh, thing where they talk about the saints where they're so boring? And, right. Yeah, you know, it's always forgive me this and do that. Maybe he's talking about the Psalms, actually, but but yeah, this idea of the saints somehow being boring. No, they're fully alive. Yes, yeah, that, that we have this idea. Yeah, that it's maybe maybe the, that stoic idea that that Leah has in her background, where it's you know that there there is no joy in it. You just it's the struggle. Whereas it should be the exact opposite for us that the saints are in fact full of joy and perfect joy. They share in the perfect joy of Jesus. And so in that, you know, living in with with the will of Christ, we find freedom as opposed to this struggle that we endure throughout life. Exactly. And then that and that's how we grow and that's how we um 
we move on. We uh, we prosper in a spiritual sense. Amen. And with that, we will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, if you have any questions about this, this idea of holiness that we've been talking about, or any ideas for future episodes, things you've come across that you'd like to hear our take on, um, email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweet us at sfdiocese using the hashtag ignition with any thoughts, questions, or ideas that you have for future episodes. Until next time, Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 3 on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.